What's up? You're listening to the Scholarly Spark podcast. Here's your chance to finally become interested in learning and find out what you're genuinely curious about. Join me as we discover the secrets of South Asia and experience different foods, the latest technologies, immerse ourselves in a variety of phenomenal cultures, find out about interesting people we never knew existed, and learn about what no one else dared to find out. I'm Kamal Narayanan, taking you on a journey through the mysteries of South Asia, all from the convenience of your headphones. Here we go. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I hope today is the absolute greatest day of your life. As I tell you, it is every single time I record this podcast. And today we are going to be talking about the different reasons for migration. Last time we talked about a breakdown of migration uh, for every country within South Asia. But today we will be talking specifically about the reasons why people migrate and how this per- relates to certain demographics and certain religions and social, certain cultural and social values and all that good stuff. And so before we actually start, we got to start with the fun fact. Now, I don't know if you actually know this, but 84% of the United Arab Emirates is actually foreign born. They're all migrants. So today, like I said, we're going to be talking about different reasons for migration. So on the show, ultimately, there are some reasons for all of this migration and it can really be attributed to differences specifically pertaining to demographics. First, let's start off with the socioeconomic status. So basically, you can group workers into unskilled and skilled workers. According to this research paper written by Jones et al., you can categorize these different workers into professional workers, skilled workers, semi-skilled workers, and and then unskilled workers. Doctors, engineers, teachers, and nurses are considered professional workers, while manufacturing or garment workers, drivers, computer operators, and electricians are termed skilled. Tailors and masons are considered semi-skilled, and housemaids, agricultural workers, hotel workers, and menial workers are less skilled laborers. laborers. These various groups all have different reasons for migrating if and when they do. For instance, professionals like doctors and skilled and semi-skilled workers want better jobs and more recognition in their field, so they go to more developed countries because those countries already have a very established and previously built job hierarchy or organizational infrastructure that allows them to climb up the social ladder very easily. But for unskilled workers who are trying to find their way up the social ladder, it's not that easy because going to an already developed country where there is an abundance of people who do the exact same thing that they do wouldn't necessarily guarantee them a job or a way up the social ladder. For this reason, they are either stuck in their home countries or they are forced to go to less developed countries and possibly suffer through even harsher conditions than they what and then what they were facing in their hometown. Now, another demographic that has been a significant part of migration is women. Solo female migration is on the rise in the region, with countries such as Sri Lanka seeing large numbers of women who migrate to take part in the garment manufacturing industry or housekeeping and sanitation. In fact, like I said last podcast with my rant on women's rights, Sri Lanka is the only nation in the region which sees more solo female migrants than males due to the, due to the garment manufacturing trade. Nearly all solo female migrants choose to immigrate because of financial conditions. And because many are unskilled laborers, 
They are among the most vulnerable for exploitation in their destination countries, which is absolutely horrible and disgusting. I hope genuinely that they never have to ever go through that. Source countries for South Asian immigrants each produce waves of immigrants with different motivations, behaviors, and needs due to different social, political, and socioeconomic conditions in each nation. Countries which primarily send immigrants out or primarily are uh, have emigration occur in their countries tend to be poorer and produce more seasonal than permanent migrants. India is seen as a source of greater economic opportunity than neighboring countries like Bangladesh and Nepal, and therefore large numbers of unskilled migrants can be seen moving there from nearby countries. Migrants already living in India, however, are more likely to immigrate out of India to developed first world countries like the US or Great Britain due to educational opportunity and social connection. And so they choose different destination countries and migration channels. So it's really just a race to get to a developed country to climb your way up the social ladder and get all the way up to the top, whether the migrant workers be skilled or, or unskilled. In addition, Social issues and barriers are major factors which impact the decision to immigrate. For example, Nepalese immigrants who choose to move to India were particularly likely to report caste-based discrimination as a key factor in the decision to migrate. Specifically, the Dalit caste is the largest group of Nepalese immigrants who move to India who cite discrimination within their home country of Nepal as their primary motivation for immigration. So obviously, there's going to be less of a tendency among immigrants escaping caste discrimination to return to their origin country than there is among migrants who do not dis report discrimination as a factor for leaving. It's literally like if you're in a negative environment where there are where there are a lot of people with a lot of negative energy, there's no point in really staying there. So why would you bother even saying they're coming back or even thinking about it? You might as well just move to a different country entirely and never ever come back ever again. Because what's the point of being in that same negative environment all over again? Even for nations such as India, where a lot of people migrate to and where there is a lot of discrimination, uh, even against incoming immigrants, the discrimination is tolerated and people remain in India because the discrimination in India is significantly toned down compared to the discrimination in the migrant workers' home countries. And honestly, I don't even know why there's discrimination anywhere. Like, I can't we just all coexist, be nice, just be happy, and just treat everyone equally. It's, I don't know, all these different societal vices and issues, they just like, there's literally no reason for them to exist. You might as well just, just push them away completely. And of course, this is due in part to changing social attitudes, but it is also due to the ability to escape long-standing, familiarly determined social positions. Differences can also be seen in migration patterns based on the intended length of stay in a host country. While permanent migrants are more likely to be seeking high-paying positions and are typically better educated and are more socially connected, seasonal migrants typically come from rural areas and rural areas and have a lower level of education. According to UNESCO, there has been an increase in the number of seasonal migrants due to globalization and the resulting decline in standards of living in rural areas. With this influx of seasonal migrants, the disparities between rural and urban areas is also increasing, which is a self-perpetuating cycle that appears to be continuing to grow in most South Asian nations. Basically, 
Permanent settlement of unskilled migrant laborers is generally discouraged in many South Asian countries via unfavorable policies and institutional difficulties for migrants. Of course, South Asia is also home to many inter-regional immigrants. The dominant source for inter-regional immigrants to South Asia is the Middle East. Basically, inter-regional immigration is immigration that happens between countries, between uh, various like continents, basically, or even country, yeah, basically countries. Like for example, North America and South Asia, or U.S. or in India, U.S. and China, India and China, all these different scenarios. And the majority of these migrant workers are actually Middle Eastern people. And the reason for this is that instability and decades of war in the Middle East have created large diaspora populations from Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria. And nearby nations. Pakistan, in particular, houses a significant number of Afghan citizens, many of whom are relegated to living in refugee camps with little hope for gainful employment. At over 1.1 million people, it is the largest single refugee population in the world, even despite its massive repatriation efforts each year. Essentially, before 2000, migration was driven primarily by the promise of work and financial independence. However, migration after 2000 was influenced substantially by environmental factors such as climate change. In addition, South Asian emigration has recently been dominated by exceedingly and disproportionately large numbers of male migrants rather than female migrants. The increase in South Asian male immigration can be accounted for by a recent surge in the amount of oil-producing countries in the Middle East and West Asia, which in turn elicits a need for an increased number of migrant workers, as was mentioned before. So, all in all, there, there are a lot of different reasons for migration. It, it honestly depends on, you know, their, your socioeconomic status, your whether or not you're skilled or an unskilled laborer, your education level when you, from when you were a kid. There's a lot of different factors that play into why someone in particular would want to migrate or think of migrating or think migrating is a good idea for them. It's, it's really variable and migration, you know, it's really unpredictable. And for that reason, I am going to tell you guys something about migration. And it is the fun fact of the day. The Arctic Tern, which is a bird, can fly nearly 50,000 miles just for migration. That is absolutely insane. 50,000 miles just for migration is pure, absolute hard work, motivation, and dedication. He deserves to be in a very, very, very good position in life. And I hope that burden is in a, is in a very good position in life. And that is unfortunately all the time we have for today. I'm so sorry if we that we could not go longer and if we disappointed you. But yeah, we are done for today. And this is the end of the three-part series on migration. And I hope to see you back next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for making it to the end of the podcast. And I will see you later. See ya. It's been super fun learning with you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me. Join me next week as we explore another part of the vast, mysterious lands of South Asia. I'm looking forward to exploring something new that you've never heard about next week. Talk soon.